0: series on possessing the promise. You know, we've been talking about this all month, about, about how that, that I'm getting to the place that I'm tired of saying we're almost there. It's almost going to happen. Uh, this weekend has been a great picture of that, because this weekend, as we've been watching the news in this part of Missouri, uh, we've been hearing that it's coming, it's coming, uh you know we're going to have a a winter weather advisory. No it's a winter weather warning. No it's a blizzard warning. No it's the end of the world as we know it. It hasn't snowed this month since this much since 1822. I I mean you know uh I I I saw a commercial on TV the other day I think it's for an insurance company it says you would think that a 500 year storm would only happen once every 500 years. Says, however, we've had 500 year storms every year in some place in America. And, and sometimes more often than that. And, and uh, recently, and. and and we're, we're in a time where we're always watching the weather and we're always hearing how it's going to be, how it's going to be. I've got somebody at the back of the sanctuary right now. And, and, and their job today is to continually go out and check the weather. And they've got hand signals to give me when they come in and go, it's bad, it's bad. That, that, that's going to be my clue that I got to close it down and get everybody home. But, um, uh, you know, we, we, we know it's coming, but we don't know when it's going to get here. Well, just the way we've been looking for this weather system to come through and we've been wondering and we've been saying oh we can see it on the horizon it's happening over there it's happening it's headed this way that's the way we've acted in the church we've said oh we can see it coming we see a move of God in Pensacola Florida we see a move of God in Kansas City Missouri we see moves of God in other places and other areas and we can talk about revival services and we can talk about churches that have had great growth and we keep saying it's on its way here. But all we got is rain right now. And until we actually see, until we actually walk out of here today and see snow on the ground, we're going to wonder how bad, how, how, how big the snow is going to be. We can walk into our church every week, and we can feel a little something once in a while, but until we get engulfed in the promise of God's power, we're not going to understand what it's like. I was just a child. To be honest, I was living south of here in Oklahoma, so it wasn't as bad, but every time it snows, and this part of the country and where i where i lived last was in northern ohio every time it snowed i heard the same thing well it's not like the winter of 78 i got a few people nodding their head right now that was a that was a a major winter event and until we see God move in that kind of promise, then we don't know how to walk out and say, oh, I was a part of the outpouring. I've been a part of the promise of God. I've got news for you, church. We need to quit wondering when it's going to get here, and we start, need to start possessing what God has already given us. But we've got to conquer some things to possess the promise. We've talked about many things, many of the the series has been based off of a book written by a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Brian Cutshaw, entitled Conquering Canaan. And we've talked about getting victory over our money. We've talked about getting victory over fear. We've talked about getting victory over the world. We've talked about getting victory over pride and over self-pity. If we don't conquer those things, we can't have victory. Today we're going to talk about possessing victory over criticism. Anybody got a critic in your life? I've got a bunch. Quit pointing to people. I got a few people pointing at themselves and a few people pointing at spouses. Uh 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 oh, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Um <laughs> I want you to open your Bibles with me. Numbers chapter 33, verse 55. Amen. I hope you yelled in your house today, uh, uh, because even at home you can be excited about opening the Word of God. Numbers chapter 33, verse 53 says this, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your side, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now, and we just thank you for your power. We thank you for your majesty and your peace. Lord, I ask that you would send your victory over our hearts and over our minds today. Lord, I pray that you would direct my words and direct this, the spirit of this sermon. Lord, let your anointing reach not only into this room where I'm at today, but, Lord, let it, let it reach through a video camera into homes and houses, not just all over Missouri and, and North Missouri, but, Lord, all over the country and all over the world. Lord, as we understand that we can possess victory over criticism, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, as many of you know, I do a daily video uh, Bible study called the daily Butt and uh, if you haven't heard of the Daily Butt, search it online. Maybe my tech back there can put a link to the daily butt page in the in the video uh, archive but the daily butt is a is a video that I do daily that 's why it 's called the daily Butt and um, uh, the concept the idea is that the word "but" changes everything, and when you find that word, it changes the direction of where you're at, and and so I'm walking through where that word comes up. Well, Pastor, why are you giving a plug to the daily but? Because the daily but today was from Judges chapter two, verse two, and it is the backside of the verse that we've been reading all month to start this series. The verse in Numbers chapter 33 verse 55, which will eventually be a daily but, but uh, it's talking about God warning them, if you don't drive out the inhabitants, they're going to become thorns in your side. In Judges chapter 2 verse 2, we find where God is speaking to the children of Israel. And he says, I brought you out of Israel. I brought you into the land that you've been promised. But for your part, you have not obeyed my commandment. You've made, you've made, you've made deals and covenants with the people of the land. You've disobeyed me. Why would you do that? He says, now, now, all your enemies are going to become thorns in your side. He says, I told you what to do, but you decided that you could do it better. You decided you could make a way. And, and so we see between Numbers and Judges, we see the full the full gamut of this picture. As God said, this is what's going to happen, and then in Judges come back, he says, because you didn't drive out the inhabitants, because you didn't conquer these things, now they become thorns in your side. Now, I got news for you, church. I've been preaching a warning, but today in my warning, I want to tell you there is biblical grounds to show you the warning is not just idle talk. Have you ever given a warning or heard a warning and didn't know if anybody would follow through with it? Have you ever listened to a weather reporter say it's going to be more snow than you can handle, and then we get half an inch of snow? We're going to have a blizzard, and then there's not even enough to make a snowman. Now I, we may. I'm not saying that's going to happen today, but I'm saying I've been there before. I, I remember one Sunday, and, and, and Pastor Jerry, if you happen to watch this, I'm sorry, but I, I won't use your name. Uh, oh, wait, I just did. Um, I remember one Sunday in Maryland. I was working as a youth pastor and and the weather report said that it was going to come a massive snowstorm into the Baltimore area. And it was going to be I mean they I mean it was like, you know, go grab the half a gallon of milk and the and the and the and the bread and and and, and hunker down you're going to be there until you're old and gray. And and uh, you know, it was going to be a bad and it happened to be Super Bowl Sunday weekend. And, and and you know it was you know they were telling everybody get to your Super Bowl parties early and relax because you're going to be there till the next day because you're not getting out. And my pastor called me on Saturday night and said they're saying this is going to be bad. He said we're going to cancel church tomorrow. Okay. He said and 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 I was already planning I was going to watch Super Bowl with him. He goes why don't you and Beth and the boys go ahead and come over tomorrow morning. And we'll have lunch together, and and we'll have a room set up for you. You can get snowed in at our house. We'll watch a football game together. I'm like, okay. And I went over there, and they were saying it was coming. And eight thirty, there was no snow. Nine o'clock, there was no snow. Nine thirty, time for church. Sunday school start. There was no snow. Ten fifteen, there was no snow. there were some flurries. 11 o'clock, it started dumping. And my pastor looked out the window and said, yes, it snowed. Because he was afraid he had canceled church and snow wasn't going to come. And sometimes that's how we live our life. We hear a warning. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But we think, oh, well, it may not actually happen. Well, I got news for you. When we do not drive out the sin in our life, when we don't drive out the challenges in our life, they will, they will, they will. If you looked on my videos and my Facebook posts and the text messages I sent out this week, I said we will have church. They will become thorns in your side. You can think you'll be okay. You can think it'll be all right. But all of a sudden money will become... Ugh. All of a sudden, your pride will begin to nick at your side. All of a sudden, your fear will begin to rip out your heart. All of a sudden, your, your self-pity will begin to take over your life. All of a sudden, the world will begin to challenge you. All of a sudden, the words of the critics will begin to echo in your head. You see, this verse tells us that it's coming. Now, the last sermon that I'm going to preach in this series, there's other areas that we need to conquer I'm not talking about. In, in, In Dr. Cutshaw's book, one of the areas that stuck out in my mind that I decided I'd be nice and not preach is he talked about conquering our physical bodies. How many of us do not conquer our, I can't preach on conquering your physical body the Sunday after Thanksgiving? That would just not even be the right thing to do. But how many of us allow our physical body to create weaknesses in our spiritual life because we, mm, because we don't live healthy lives, because we don't try. because mm, I'm not sharing this because somebody said this to me earlier because I've said the same thing in the last few months. We're not, we can't do what we want to do spiritually because we start saying, I don't care about the physical. See, we got to conquer that. we got to get that behind us. But the one that I'm going to preach about today, the last one I'm going to talk about, I think is very crucial to us because I'm going to talk about possessing the victory over criticism. You know, when your critics begin to chirp in your ear, They begin to tell you things, they begin to say things, and all of a sudden, you begin to build fear, you build doubt, you build misunderstanding, you build anger, and all of a sudden, your critics begin to win. I remember as a child, and I've told this story before, so forgive my redundancy, but I remember as a child, about eight or nine years old, my grandfather had bought, and had bought my cousin and I horses. And I had a little Shetland pony called Cookie. Cookie was named Cookie because Cookie ate cookies. And we would stop and buy animal cookies, animal crackers. And that's what we would feed Cookie every time we'd go see him. And And uh, he, he had a weight issue like mine, probably because we gave him cookies. And um, but... Cookie was a small horse. He was a Shetland pony. And as getting to be eight or nine years old, I was starting to outgrow Cookie. I couldn't quite stand on the ground with him under me, but I could almost. He wasn't very fast. He didn't have a lot of speed because he was a small horse. My cousin had gotten older. My grandfather had gotten him a quarter horse. And so he now had his full-size horse that he could run with and trot and and. His old pony was a bigger pony. It wasn't a Shetland. It was a bigger pony, and Star was his name. And Star had a history of bucking. Had a history of being a little mean. Uh, he had. He had. Ki- he would kick and he would buck and he would. He was unruly. And my grandfather had told me that. I was big enough to move to the bigger pony that took more power to control because I was big enough to handle it. So one day he got Star all saddled up for me, and he says, I'm going to give you Star as your horse. And I was like, yes, I get the big pony. Star might buck, but he could run faster than Cookie could. And, and uh, besides that, Star's just a better horse name than Cookie. And... and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I remember getting out of the pickup to go get on my new pony. And as I walked from the truck to where my grandfather was holding the pony, my grandmother was in the truck. And my grandmother was a loving woman, but at times she was fearful. And my grandmother, out of her worry, began to criticize. Paul, don't let him get on that horse. Paul, that boy's too young for that horse. Paul, that horse is going to kick him off. He's going to get hurt. He's going to fall down. He's going to get bucked off that horse. And when I heard the words of the critic, I got to the side of the horse, and with tears in my eyes, I looked at my grandfather and I said, I don't want him. I want Cookie. My grandfather, a little annoyed, walked off with the horse, brought Cookie back out, and I rode Cookie. Now, that story is sad enough, but what's worse is that was the end of the summer. February of the next year, my grandfather was killed in a car wreck. April of the next year, we sold all the horses, and I never got a horse bigger than Cookie. Because I let the critics convince me that I couldn't go any bigger. I let the voices of other people. You see, we have got to possess the victory over our over criticism. In, in, the verse we've been reading all all month, it says, Joshua 3.10 says, And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Havtites and the Perizzites and the Gergusites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. The Amorites are the nation that we're going to talk about today as we talk about uh, overcoming the power of criticism. See, criticism becomes a war of words. When we speak, we need to understand that the spoken word has power. Power. The spoken word has power of creation. How do I know that? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. God said. He spoke and there was light. He spoke, and the earth was formed. He spoke, and the animals inhabited the earth. He spoke, and things happened. The only thing that the Bible says he formed or fashioned was mankind. Everything else was spoken into existence. He spoke it and said, let it be. When we understand that word is the power of of creation, then we begin to understand that when we use our words, we create. We create victory or we create doubt. We create positive or we create negative. We can say, it's bad. It's bad. Or we can say, it's going to be okay. You see, we understand that. We can either say, oh, I don't think we're going to make it. Time we get out of church today, it's going we're not going to be able to get home. Or... We can say, God's got this. Can I tell you how our life works sometimes? People come up in our face and say, God's got this, and you just want to slap them. You know, it's like, like that old T-shirt I saw. It makes you want to give them a high five in the face with a wooden chair. <laughs> I don't want to hear you positive. I don't want to hear how what you think is going to happen. But all of a sudden, we're in a war of words. Oh, war of words can be scary. Oh, war of words can bring about problems. We need to understand that people are talking. But that doesn't mean that we have to be listening. Mm. I got news for you. Some of you sitting in this room have already tuned me out. I look around. I don't think I see anybody sleeping yet. That's a good thing. It ain't over yet. Hang on. Some of you right now, you're live streaming this service and you done, you done relaxed back. You got your feet kicked up in the recliner and you're just fighting the eyeballs. It's peaceful. The words can be spoken, but they don't always have to be listened to. My question for you today is what words are you listening to? Let me tell you about a story where somebody listened to words and let, let them annoy them enough that they changed their life. See, Moses was a man God had chosen to lead his children into the Promised Land. He had used Moses to bring about ten plagues in Egypt. He used Moses and and, and gave him power and authority. It was Moses who stretched his staff out over the Red Sea and it parted. It was Moses that time and time again brought about from his word the deliverance of God's people. Matter of fact, there was one time when they were hungry, they were thirsty. And God spoke to Moses and said, strike the rock and I will bring water. And Moses went up with his staff and he struck the rock and it sprung forth water from the rock and they drank. Fast forward in time. All of a sudden now they've been wandering in the wilderness. People have started dying. New generation has started coming up. A generation who could vaguely remember the torment and the pain of Egypt, and those that could remember Egypt didn't remember the right Egypt. They remembered the the, the 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 leeks and the onions and the things they had. They didn't remember the slavery that they lived in. And they get to a place where yet again they're they're hungry and they're thirsty. The only food they got is manna, and manna sounds like a great thing to have until you've had it and you've had it. And you've had it. I mean, let's be honest. We get, we get a little annoyed at the children of Israel for complaining about the manna. God gave it to you. Why can't you just be satisfied? How many of you have already went out and either made another dish or went to the store and bought something to eat because you were sick of turkey? By Friday night, we were ordering pizza. We had all kinds of turkey in the house, but we were ordering Pizza. I didn't want no more. I dread going home and eating me a turkey sandwich, but I forgot to put lunch in the crock pot. So guess what I'm having when I get home? A turkey sandwich. Well, let me tell you something. We can't even make it a weekend with one food. They made it forty years with one food. Man, every day they can't find clean water. They're moaning and they're "No, gro- no, Moses, why can't we go banging?" Can you imagine being Moses? Oh Sarah's already looking at me like oh, oh, oh Sarah, why didn't you do this? Sarah, is that taken care of? Sarah, 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 Sarah. Oh she she's she's oh I'm backing up now. She she got that look in her face. I'll deal with the people, Pastor, but I don't want to deal with the issues. The people just come on now. He was stressed. He was hearing people bark at him. We're here to die. You don't care. God's forgotten about us. And God speaks to Moses. And God says, speak to the rock. And I'll give you water again. God said, speak to the rock. But the people said, you need to do something. And I believe that Moses got a little irritated. All right, everybody gather around. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you who God is. Oh, he was irritated. He thought he was irritated righteously. But he was listening only partly to the right people and mostly to the wrong people. He was hearing that God said, I'm going to give you water. But he wasn't listening to the instruction. But instead, he was hearing the complaints of the people. You ain't doing this right. You're not taking care of us. You don't care about us. And the Bible says he takes his staff and he looks at the rock. And when God said to speak, he hit. Pow, pow, pow. Water came out. See, I told you. It's okay. But then God said, Because you didn't listen, because you were disobedient to me. When I said to speak, you hit. Pastor, what's the big deal about that? Moses took it into his own hand to be driven by the criticism of other people. He said, because you didn't listen to me, you will no longer go into the promised land. You will see it from a distance, but you will not cross over. Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about that sometimes we allow our critics to make us fall short of God's promise. We let our critics tell us what we have to do instead of letting God say, be patient, wait for it, speak to it, quit trying to show off, quit trying to do this, do that, or do the other. Instead, the words that we're listening to cause us to grandstand, cause us to show off calls us to show that we were right I have known people who have lost their faith in Jesus Christ because they were too busy trying to prove to everybody they were right quit trying to prove you're right and start trying to walk in what is right quit trying to prove you know what you know And start walking in faith, trusting God. If you believe that God can take care of something, then he will take care of it. You don't need other people. What words are you listening to? Are we listening to the word of the Lord? Are we listening to the words of people? it costs us something when we begin to listen to the words of people when we begin to listen to our critics, it costs us our promise. I got news for you, church. I feel God in this house. I feel God in this house. But if I start listening to everybody else, if I start listening to other people, I will lose... What God has given. You want to know what's wrong with the church in the world today? You want to know what's wrong with the church in America today? You want to know what's wrong with Souls Harbor? We spend too many time listening to other people tell us how to have church. Instead of listening to God tell us to worship him and adore him and bow down before him, instead of listening to God lead us and direct us, we're too busy listening to how somebody else is having a church and thinking we need to do it that way or how somebody else in the church wants it to be. Well, I just wish they'd play that old stuff. That's criticism. Criticism. You know why we're not possessing the promise? It's not just that we're listening to the words of criticism; we're speaking them. We're always coming up with things that we think should be better. Well, I tell you, they need to be. There. They should have canceled church. They just should have canceled it. It's snowing, snowing. I'm sure it's probably snowing now. I'm getting the yes. It's snowing. It's, I got this. Was the signal. You at home are going, ha, 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 ha. You here are going, oh, man, hurry up, preacher. Uh, we, 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 start, we start speaking the criticism. Oh, and I've been around church long enough, I've heard all of it. Music's no good. It's too old, it's too new, too fast, too slow. Too loud, I can't hear it. The heater's too hot. The air conditioner's too cold. Half the church is usually fanning themselves. The other half is wrapped up in blankets. I am about to die of heat up here right now, and I see people wrapped up in coats. We, I wish everything in this church wasn't blue. We got more blue than we can deal with. Better not make it Green. We, we, we complain about the colors. We're critical of the colors. We're critical of the style. Oh, he preached too long. He preached too short. He preaches too loud. He preaches too quiet. He moves around too much. He stands too still. We always find reasons to criticize. And when we begin to criticize, the cost of criticism is our promise. When are we going to make up our minds? to shut our mouth and follow our God when are we going to understand that God is in charge and we're not we may go around saying God's got this but God can only have it when he does it our way Mm. (laughs) glad Mike showed up I could hear the oh my that's good And if Mike had stayed home today, we'd have got even harder. But I back off when I hear the old oh, "my." <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, I can preach all month. I can preach till I'm blue in the face. I I can preach till I'm dead. We were talking before church. One of the ways I want to die is I want to die in the pulpit. I I I can preach till I'm dead. It doesn't matter if I allow criticism to grow and I and I let criticism guide the direction of the church. We will never get to the promise. I got to close because um I got to close. But I gotta tell you something. There's two things we need to pay attention to. Number one, quit being a critic. Every time you hear a critical word come out of your mouth, replace it with two positives. I'm gonna tell you something. I, I, I know some people that 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 that, that their gift. Because sometimes you've got to see the bad to fix it. And I understand that. That's not really what I'm talking about. But if you're not careful, if your gift is to see what's wrong, after a while, that's all you see. When I was in college, they would send us to check out to, to, to do observations. And, and I was a Christian education major, so I'd have to go to Sunday school classes or church services, and I would have to do a review. What did they do? How did they do it? And then it would always ask the same thing what could they have done better? And what did they did, do wonderfully? Man, I could write pages on what they could do wonderfully. Man, they were... But man, when I was in college, what could they do better? It was good. I, I, I had something in my mind in those days that I didn't see the negative. And, and all of a sudden, I, I I had to learn for school. And I'm going to tell you what happened. When I... Learn how to see with a critical eye. You know what happened? Before I realized it, I would go into a service and I could tell you everything was wrong with it and I couldn't find anything that was good with it. Because I looked with a critical eye. I became, instead of trying to help a situation or learn from a situation, I became critical. I became a barrier to the promise. Mmm, I've been in church... I've been in church where God moved and people are dancing, and I went, Really didn't like the way that guy preached. He wasn't fiery enough. Well, why is everybody shouting the guy never moved from behind the pulpit? I mean, everybody knows you got to run around, jump up and down, and yell and scream and holler in the microphone to get the Holy Ghost moving. I mean, if I don't sit down on the stage at least once, I'm not even preaching. Man, I'm glad we have a high stage. It'd be sort of miserable. But we'd be like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we, get, we get to a place that we think if it's not our way, it's wrong. If we're going to expect the promise, we've got to quit being critical. We've got to quit looking for what's wrong and start celebrating what's Right? We uh, Yes, you're going to find something wrong. Yes, I'm going to mess up once in a while. Yeah, I have once in a while, a little bit. Uh, yes, somebody next to you is going to have forgotten their deodorant this morning. It was cold. But when we start letting the critical eye guide our When we start letting a critical eye guide our attention, we block ourselves from the promise. When we start letting the critical guide what we pay attention to, we keep ourselves from what God has for us. We miss out on worship because we don't worship God because we don't like that song. And I'm not talking about people that don't like choruses and want the hymns. I'm talking about the people that like the choruses and can't worship God when a hymn's played. That's stupid. I'm sorry. That's unintelligent. We, We get critical. Some people just got critical. When I said the word stupid, you tuned me out. Can't believe he'd say that. I got news for you, church. We've got to quit being critical. That's step number one to get into the promise. When we quit being critical, step number two, we got to quit listening to critical. I have been in ministry for 31 years now since my first sermon. I've been in active ministry, either youth pastor or pastoring, for the last 26, 27 years. I've been senior pastor this time around for the last 15. It's pretty good for a young man. I mean, it's impressive. I've only been alive 34 years. Oh, wait, no. No, a little more than that, maybe. Maybe it's 49 years, yeah. But I'm not 50 yet. But all of a sudden, I can tell you, I've heard the critical. I've heard the people. I don't think I don't know why Pastor does it that way. I've had the people, Pastor, we need to talk to you. You need to change the way you preach because we don't like the way you preach. You don't preach the word. Yeah, that's what I stole. I've heard the critical. You can't sing. That was true, but it's still critical. You're too long-winded. It's true, too, but it's still critical. You take too long to open a service. One sermon a week, and it's mine. I've heard the critical. I've heard the critical. This church is unfriendly. This church is more concerned about its schedule. This church is too old. This church is too dilapidated. The people are too old. The people are too young. It's too hot. It's too cold. When I was six years ago this next week, I walked in as your pastor for the first time. December 1st will be my six-year anniversary here. And, uh, uh, well, two people are excited. (laughs) They're sort of excited. <laughs> uh, but the first thing I did when I came here as pastor, and this is no, I, I'm not exaggerating. I walked into the building by myself. I got a bit of anointing oil and I anointed the thermostats. I anointed the soundboard. Because the thing people are most critical of is the sound and the temperature. And I said, God, if you can give us victory over those two areas, we can maybe break the critical eye. I've heard the criticism. But there was a place in my life when I decided to quit listening to the critical. Most of you probably are wondering when this is going to actually happen, but there was a place in my life that I decided... I'm going to do what God says no matter what people think. I know y'all haven't seen much of that in six years. I do things pretty much by the book. Normal. Y'all don't even know what normal is anymore. I wore a suit and tie the other day, and you would have thought that the world had come to an end. What's wrong with pastor? Then I preached the sermon, and you're like, don't do that again. Y'all... I tell people all the time, I like to shock people. And now the only thing I can do that's shocking would be to stand behind the pulpit. That's the only shocking thing I could do anymore. You know why? Because somewhere down the line I decided God called me to be me. And I don't have time, I don't have the energy, nor the desire to be held up by your critical spirit. Now I got news for you. I made it easy for you today. I preached this sermon when there was a blizzard coming. So some of you get to get to listen to this sermon while you're sitting on your couch. And you're going, "Man, I can't believe he's that mean." That's critical. I don't have time for criticism. Does that mean that I don't listen? Does that mean that I can't grow? Does that mean I don't want to be better tomorrow than I am today? No, but I am not going to be hindered from the promise that God has called me from because somebody's uncomfortable. I've got news for you. Honey, I don't know where that came from. That's just a new thing. I keep saying that. Anyway, honey, let me tell you something. Ain't nobody stealing my horse again. Come on now. My, my grandma loved me. My meemaw cared for me. My meemaw took care of me. She was special. She was always special. She always did everything to, she spoiled me rotten. She loved me. I don't care how much you love me, how much you care for me. I ain't letting nobody steal my horse again. You see, when I let the words of criticism, the words of doubt, the words of fear, the words of, uh, of, of 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 concern drive me away from what the promise of God is, then I have allowed the devil to stop me from the promise. And I've got news for you. I'm ready to possess the promise. I'm ready to go in and grab what God has. Grab it by the horns and ride it into glory. tell you something, church. Quit listening to the critics in your life. I know. Critics sometimes are there to help. I understand that. But sometimes we got to step out. Sometimes we got to step out. A critic that is there to help you will be there to pick you up. A critic that's there to stop you will disappear when you quit listening. That's how you know who your friends are. See, what I didn't realize as an eight-year-old boy is if I would went and got on that horse and that horse had bucked me off, grandma wouldn't have been over there going, told him! Grandma would have been out of that pickup over there picking me up off the ground, dusting me off and kick, kissing my boo-boos. That's, that's, who, that's who loves you. That's who loves you. But I'm going to tell you something. There comes a time where you got to go, "Mm." it's hard. You may not succeed. You may get bucked off the horse. If I'd have got on that horse, even if the horse had bucked me off, my story today would be, got on the horse, and it bucked me off. But that was my horse. That was my horse. And when my grandfather died, and my grandmother gave me the money, she gave me the money from Cookie, what we sold Cookie for. If I'd have got on that horse, I would have got the money that they sold Star for The bigger pony. I went and bought a black and white TV. Had it till after I was married, and I had a had a plaque made, put on, stuck onto it, dedicated to Cookie. It said, "If I'd have gotten on that other horse, it'd have been dedicated to Star." Well, what does that matter? It would have changed where my last horse was. It would have changed how far I had progressed to, but because I never got a chance to go further. You ever had a horse? Oh, I had a Shetland pony. I never had a bigger pony. Never had a horse. I think Rick's going to get one, though, so I can ride it. Uh, Rick's saying, uh, and Mary's going, uh, and, and we stopped short of our potential. We stop short of our promise because we've listened to the words of criticism. Even if you get knocked down. When the Israelites attacked the Moabites, and forgive me, I can't remember where the scripture was, but when they attacked the Moabites, they they destroyed five kings. And the Bible says that there was peace in the land and no one spoke a negative word. All of a sudden, there was nobody saying we couldn't because we had. In in a few moments, we're going to close this service And nobody's going to ask, is it going to (laughs) snow? It's already snowing. Nobody's going to say, what's going to happen if it gets here? Because it's here. Hang on to your promise and don't let critics get in your way. Don't let critics get in your way. I'm going to ask you this morning, we're do, we've done things a little different today. If you're watching on live stream, thank you so much for watching. I, I, uh, I thank you for being a part. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for safety and, and protection. And I, I want you to have victory today. I'm going to have them cut off the live stream. I'm going to give those that are here a chance to, to be anointed in prayer if they need to be. But thank you for joining us today. Those of you that are here, if you've got a need, we're going to close this service with pastor, pastor's prayer. If you've got a need today, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. I'm going to anoint you with oil as we close. And I'm going to believe God to do the miraculous. Somebody is telling you you can't. But God is saying you can. Somebody is telling you you can't. But if you'll trust God, even if you fall down, you're going to grow. I want you to tune out the criticism and grab a hold of God. Will you come to the front if you have a need?